Acts chapter 8 tonight, if you will please, Acts in chapter number 8. Our series in Acts is entitled, A Church for His Name. Tonight I'd like for us to consider Acts chapter 8, 1 through 25, Crossing Cultural Boundaries for the Gospel. Crossing Cultural Boundaries for the Gospel. So Acts chapter 8 and verse number 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death in reference to Stephen's death by stoning that he uh, that uh, transpired because of his witness and testimony before the Sanhedrin. And it says, And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul... He made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many uh, taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that he that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of a long long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Explanation is given in verse number 16, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands... Boy, you know, some healers and squealers that need to read this, don't they? And, yep. <laughs> that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee. Because thou hast thought that the gift of God, in reference to the Holy Spirit, that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness, and in the bond of iniquity, Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. 
Verse 25, And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. May God bless the reading of his word. As you're seated, we'll get into the message here tonight. Thank you for praying for our trip and uh, revival meeting in San Leandro, California. I believe God uh, truly blessed the meeting, and and it was truly a cross-cultural experience. So it was, I believe, very timely that we're here in Acts chapter 8. This is the church going to really a a whole new level of ministry as uh, they were going cross-cultural. California is in America. But it's different. There's some uh, Californians here, and they're in agreement, and would testify to that. I, you know, honestly, I mean, it. There's times I didn't feel like we were in America. I mean, we were, it just didn't always feel that way. Um, great church there, Heritage Baptist Church. Remember Alan Fong? Uh, he preached here during a church planners conference some years back. Chinese American. And uh, he was born um, there in that Oakland area and raised there, saved there, called to the ministry. And uh, the church there is about 15 years old, if I'm remembering uh, the history. And um, Brother David Homer, uh, who was missionary in Taiwan and the family there, and they, he came and started the church. And Brother Fong was with them from the very beginning. And now Brother Fong is the pastor of the church and and um, they are running, uh, they're in that San Francisco Bay Area, they're, they are running about four to 500, somewhere right in there, they probably had this, this day, and if you know that area, that's, that's a tremendous number, uh, as far as people that have been saved, and they're very aggressive in outreach, and, and uh, had privilege to go over to the Fong on, on Saturday morning, uh, visitation and soul winning, he led a man to Christ, and a young Hispanic man while we were there, and and just really has an interest in people. And I, I mean, he's working it. He's just uh, very, uh, in fact, the word I'd use is one that he's mentioned before is high touch. Just trying to have touch with people and contact with people and just really involved in their lives and, and uh, trying to, to, to have involvement with people. And, and uh, we made that visit and then four others, uh, rapid fire type visits and uh, making our way through some of the list of contacts and people he's trying to reach. And one man that we ran across... Uh, uh, or visited in his home was a man named Jaime that was saved uh, maybe about a month ago. Uh, they were just going door to door, and um, and he led this man and his wife to Christ. They came from a Catholic background, and and uh, we sat down at this man's dinner table, and he had been reading his Bible, and he'd made it through the Gospel of Matthew, and he was into the into the Gospel of Mark, and he had a bunch of questions, and he just began asking those questions, and Brother Fong was answering them, and. And uh, it was just it was just encouraging to hear this man. He said, you know, all this is really new to me because I I didn't get taught the Bible uh, in the church background that I came from. And and so he he was trying to remember a word. He said it starts with the letter P and I can't remember what it was. And and we said parables. He said, I've seen that word. We explained that. And then we came up with another word that started with the letter P and explained that one. And and so he went through his Bible trying to find the word and finally came across it. Pharisees. What's that? What is that? And so we got to explain to him what a Pharisee was and told him not to be one. And so it was, uh, it was just a blessing, you know, just the eagerness and the hunger, you know, to, 
to read and learn as a new Christian and not understanding things. Aren't you so glad that God just meets us where we are and you don't have to have a whole bunch of Bible knowledge to be in the Word and and that God does want everybody to understand the Bible and it's not just for a select group or priest or, or a group there, but it's for, it's for everybody. It's a blessing. This man was so eager about it. This is a very multicultural church as we were there, uh, predominantly, I'd say, maybe Chinese, uh, many of whom, uh, of course, are not speaking English, and my Chinese was not very good, and so it was translated. They actually have little earpieces where it's translated to those that are in the services. They do have a separate service on Sunday mornings where someone is preaching to them. We met a brother Wang that... uh, uh, has made several trips with Brother Fong to uh, China, mainland China. In fact, uh, Zach's family knows uh, Brother Fong very well and, and a lot of connection there. And, and uh, so it was really just, it was a blessing to hear their heart and to see. We, we saw three Chinese individuals saved during the revival and two ladies on Wednesday night and another individual on, sun, on the previous Sunday. And, and so it was really just a great experience, Chinese and, and Hispanic. There's a large number of Hispanic people there. And so one night we had pozole, uh, the, like a Spanish soup and such, a Mexican soup, really good stuff. And, uh, and so, you know, just a, a large cultural experience being there with, I mean, this is really just biblical, isn't it? With Chinese and Hispanic people and and uh, hearing the word in their own language and and uh, praising God and and just uh, it was really quite an experience and there were uh, black individuals there and and just a few a handful of of a Caucasian or white people you know we were the minority that's different and uh, enjoyed enjoyed that and there were Texans there and and uh, and so just uh, in fact Bobby Garrett's uh, niece and her husband are there and so it was. It was just really, a, it was really a blessing. I wish I could just convey to you just what a blessing it was. And, and uh, the Fongs were so kind to us and showed us around. They, we, they drove us around the San Francisco uh, area and, and, uh, and took us to some truly authentic Chinese restaurants. And our chopstick skills were put to the test. And, and uh, so that was really amazing. But, but the thing that struck me is that there are folks that are driving from... Um, from San Francisco, it's about a 50-minute drive or so, you know, especially depending on traffic. But um, one young uh, Chinese young man named Anthony, family of five kids, I believe it is, he and his wife and five kids, and gets off early on a Wednesday night just so he can try to beat the traffic to make it across the bridge and to be there. It's very humbling uh, to hear and see the devotion of some of these, what they have, and... and uh, That uh, as Brother Fong just drove us around that Bay Area, he said, you know, there's not really a good church here in this community and, and this one. And uh, it was, it was uh, humbling to drive through those cities. And we've had that experience a few times in, in California, the times we've been there. And to think that, you know, this is America. And there's a need of the gospel being preached in these cities. And San Francisco needs a gospel. And so, uh, just very touching. And, and Brother Fong uh, told me, he said, you know, 
Uh, Brother Geddes, in the next in the next 20 years, they they anticipate that um, English will be a second language in California. And he said, anyone coming here is going to need to learn a, another language, either Chinese or uh, which I failed to mention. Uh, Brother Louie, Ms. Josie, and others, uh, there is a, a good, strong contingency of uh, Filipino people there, too. So uh, thank you for teaching me some Tagalog, and I got to use it. I'm not sure if they understood what I said, but in uh, any case, it was there. And, but um, he said that. He said, you know, if, if someone is going to come here, they're going to have to learn a second language. That's in America. Now, I'm all for people learning English. I believe they ought to, no doubt. But if, uh, if we're real serious about the gospel and the work of the gospel, we're going to have to cross some cultural boundaries and um, cross some barriers uh, that we may not be real comfortable with. There's a stigma with San Francisco that I don't have to explain here, right? And we saw some evidence of it. Rainbow flag flying alongside an American flag. Um, yeah, some evidence of it that was there. But um, God loves those folks. It's evident that they need the gospel. And so God, uh, God wants us to take his word because his word is for everybody. That means uh, as we take it, we're going to encounter some real challenging situations as we do. Some of it's due to culture. A lot of it's just due to, because, uh, due to the fact that people are deeply entrenched in sin. What happens when a church begins to take the gospel cross-culturally? Do we need to do that here in Oklahoma City? We do, don't we? Uh, you know, really, what, what we really need to get to is just taking the gospel to people. Amen. There's really just one race. Amen. The human race. That, really, it's it. I mean, we're all one blood, the Bible says. Now, is that denying that there's diff differences? No, there's differences. There's a lot of differences between different backgrounds and people. Folks from the East Coast are different from folks in the West Coast. Folks from the North are different from folks down in the South. There's no doubt about that. There's no denying it. But really, we're all one race, the human race. And the gospel is intended for every person. Therefore, it really ought to be our heart and our, our heart's desire and... Not just giving it token attention, but, but real, true, burning desire and attention to take the gospel to every person. God saved us, church. God saved us to do more than just enjoy church services, didn't he? And I know you know that. But he saved us to do more than just to come and to, to sit on a pew at certain service times. I'm, I'm afraid that, that we face this danger that... We get to thinking that church is about church services and, and making uh, all the focus there on, on how good the church services are. And I, listen, let me, let me say I, I believe we need to have 
I mean, if we're going to meet, we ought to, we ought to meet and, and have good church services with good singing and good uh, preaching and good, or an attempt at least they're at, and, and, uh, and Bible being brought across and, and fellowship and, and orderly services and all those things. I believe they're very important, but listen, this is not just what the church what church life and, and Christianity is about. Actually, what this is, is to get you energized and equipped to go out and to be a minister. This is a church full of ministers. Not just one minister or ministerial staff, though you had that, we had that here, but you're a minister. You're a minister. It's not just the pastor that ought to be going out and work. Should the pastor be going out and doing that? Well, absolutely. But he ought to be doing that because he's a Christian. That's what Christ-like people do. And so you ought to have a list of people that you're contacting and that you're working on week by week and trying to get them there and, and following up on them. Hey, I'm, I'm telling you, God, God really did something in my heart that, I, that I've been challenged with that I hope to, to bring back for my own personal life. And I, I realize that's where I have responsibility first, but, but I, I don't want to just preach about and encourage others to try to see people saved and baptized and discipled. I want to be very actively involved. And so God really just showed me uh, that opportunity that we have right now. It's the opportunity of today. That's all about us with people that are everywhere, everywhere that, that need the gospel. And, and here's our opportunity that God has given to us as a church to go out and to, and to preach the gospel to every person. That's what God has called us to do is, is to go and to proclaim the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we do that, people will be saved. And as they are saved, they need to be in church. They need to be assembled. And, and so what, what happens, even as a church planner goes out, he's not just going out to start services, but he's going out, he and his family, they're going out to evangelize, to preach the gospel. And as he goes door to door, maybe has a meeting and brings people in, having a, a larger hearing of the gospel at one time, then people are going to be saved. And as they are saved, then they need to be in church. And if there's not one there, then you start one. And what I'm excited about and, and can see happening in, in places like San Francisco and San Jose, and there's people that were traveling from both of those locations and Fremont and Santa Cruz and different places like that. They were traveling to this one location, driving 40, 50 miles, or maybe in some cases more, that, that maybe what's going to take place, more people are going to be saved in those areas and new churches will be born. That's exciting. That's what happens when a church goes cross-culturally. That's what happens. When a church goes cross-culturally, when a church goes with the gospel, people are saved. That's what happened. As Philip began to go out, which, by the way, he was not one of the apostles. He, he was one of the men who were called to serve along with, like, uh, as we saw last time with Stephen. He was one of the men of the church who went out and was not one of the 12 apostles that were designated to do so. But he took the role as a deacon, I would say, one serving the church. And, and he went out and he, he was a soul winner. He went out as a soul winner and he preached to people. And as he preached to people... 
people were saved by the grace of God. And as a result of that, in Samaria... Now, please understand the context here tonight. Samaria was despised by the Jews. The Samaritans were despised by the folks in Jerusalem. The Samaritans, watch this now, they were half Jew and half Gentile. You remember in the northern kingdom as it went into Assyrian captivity that they mingled with the people that were there and thus they, they became a mixed race. And thus, as a mixed race, they were despised by the Jews. Listen tonight, they may have been despised by the Jews, but they were loved by God. And Jesus told the story there of that man who stopped to help that one. Remember that in Luke chapter 10? And and as uh, my son, I I forget now which one it was, but he came home talking about the good American, but it was the good Samaritan, you know? And that Samaritan, uh, he helped him. And, and so Jesus was using that to say, look, here's a man who's, a, who's a, of a mixed race. Here's a man who's a Samaritan who showed more generosity, who did more to help this man than what the priest did and than what the Levite did. Here's a Samaritan. Listen, our Lord loves Samaritans. He went out of his way to stop at a well to talk to a woman of Samaria. You remember that? I'm telling you, God just simply does this. God loves all people. And so because God loves all people and you're one of them, then first of all, we ought to thank God. And second of all, we ought to be very involved in trying to bring all people to Christ. And as we are busy and we work it and we work it week by week, knocking doors, let me ask you tonight, are you involved? Are you involved in reaching out into this community in a serious, real way, trying to see people saved? As we do that and we just keep working it and working it and working it and going with God's word, something's going to happen. I believe people will be saved. Brother Rick uh, McQueen shared with me today that there were three saved in the, in the sixth grade department this morning. Thanks be to God for that. As the, listen, those of you that, that are there in workplaces and school uh, places, as you preach the gospel, people can be saved. You're here tonight because somebody shared the gospel with you. Share the gospel with someone else. Be actively involved. Hey, let, let me tell you something. This is not just something for the students to do. You with me here tonight? Hey, um, I thank God for the soul winners that come here. And they go out week by week. We fill two, three buses, as many of them go out. But listen, that, that's, not, that's not just for college students. It, it can't be. It, it can't be. And I realize some people's jobs and such prohibit maybe that, that Tuesday night or that Saturday, but, but really it, it needs to be in all of us that it is my responsibility as a Christian to care about somebody's soul enough that I'll give them a track and invite them to church and then even follow up to see if they'll come and keep their name and their address and their phone number and, and to call them and to text them and to send them a card. Hey, wait a minute. This, if we're going to see people saved, it is going to take work, church. But see it as your responsibility. There's a reason why uh, that Heartland Baptist Bible College or Pacific Coast moved here in the first place. It's because the church was already doing what she was doing, what the church was doing. Knocking doors, running bus routes, caring about people. But listen, don't let that stop now, my soul. We need to keep going and take it even to the next level. 
See, the church was already doing this and they fell into hard times, but the hard times made them just scatter out and do it even further. There's widening bands of the gospel coverage, widening bands. It gets further and further and further out as the, as the, as even the persecution came. That really ought to be what it's like right here in Oklahoma city, that the gospel just gets to this region and then that region and this region. And there's some opportunities, by the way, to even go cross culturally right here in our city to take the gospel to someone who has never heard the gospel. My friend, what an opportunity we have. Let's make the most of it. As it was then, so it is now when the gospel is preached cross-culturally because that's what happened. They went to the Samaritans. People were saved. And there was great joy in that city. There's not going to be great joy in a city, not true joy, until the gospel comes. People were saved. The Jews back in Jerusalem were rejoicing in it. And they sent Peter and John as the Delegates, the representatives there from Jerusalem to go down because, now wait a minute, we've got to understand this here tonight. You still, you still with me? Say amen. 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 Good. They had, they sent these, these individuals down because, listen, this was such a big step for them. The gospel now makes a huge leap that it's not just going to Jewish individuals, but now it's going to people outside of that circle it's going to samaritans and so they send peter and john out and one of those men by the way that made a profession of faith was a man named simon and and uh and he was a sorcerer he was a magician he was involved in incantations no doubt and and all these things and hey what well wait a minute he evidently had a a display of power you know that tells me it's possible that someone outside of the Christian ministry could have a display of miracles and quote unquote miracles and power that is not of God. That means some of what maybe goes on out there in different realms may not all be of God. I believe that would be true in the mission field, but I believe it's also true right here in the United States of America. But these people were infatuated with Simon's power because of the dazzling things that he could do. And they were believing him as a great man. But listen, but when they saw the mighty power of Christ on display through Philip, then they said, you know, Simon's power doesn't even begin to match up. In fact, Simon himself said, uh, this is better. And he went with that. Now, I'm not here tonight to evaluate Simon's uh, salvation. Uh, there's some who say, I don't know that he was truly saved, and some that say maybe he was saved, but just off to a bad start. And, and, the, and Peter's words to him caused me to wonder if this man was, was genuinely saved or if he just made a profession. When he said, you're in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity, and, and when, when he said all these things that he did, you have no part, you have no lot here, no inheritance in this. He, he's saying some very strong words to this man named Simon. But they sent Peter and John down to see that this was true and also to rejoice with them as Samaritans that they had been saved. Now, when they came, they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. You know what will help you in your study of the book of Acts is to remember that Acts is highly transitional. It doesn't always happen the same way, but there's a reason why it's not happening the way that it does now. Now, when a person is saved, 
then they are immediately, they receive the Holy Spirit of God. In this instance, they had not yet received the Spirit. They were saved and then baptized. And then Peter and John come and lay hands on them and they receive the Spirit of God. In other passages, it doesn't happen in that same order. In, in chapter, uh, later on in, in the book, in chapter number uh, 10 and, and chapter number 9 and so forth, in chapter 19, there's, there's, this is a highly transitional book. And so people who run to Acts to say, look, here's how you get the Spirit of God. Somebody lays hands on you. Wait a minute. You've got to understand that's transitional. That's transitional. And why was it transitional? Why, why did it happen that way? I believe it happened that way because of this. The, the church there in Jerusalem, who was very, very much like we are, very much in a cultural comfort zone, they needed to understand that God was at just as much at work in the Samaritans, and thus he delayed their receiving of the Spirit of God until a Jewish delegation was able to be there from the church to see firsthand that, yes, these have been saved just like we were. And that's why it took place like it did then. Is that making sense to folks here tonight? But when Simon saw this, here's what he said. How much you want to be able to do that? He wanted to buy the Holy Ghost. Is it 1995? Huh? Can I make payments on it? He wanted to buy the Holy... Wait a minute. The Holy Spirit of God can't be bought. No. He grossly misunderstood it. He was interested in the ministry, but not for the right reason. He was in it for the power... He was in it for the display. He was in it perhaps for the recognition. Peter, Peter at least told us this, your heart's not right with God. He rebuked him. And Simon said, pray for me that none of these things happen. Do you know what the church did then? They just kept preaching. They just went to the other cities and villages of Samaria. Here's what I see tonight. When a church goes cross-culturally with the gospel as they did then, Number one, they're going to see people saved. Number two, they're going to encounter problems with people who are deeply entrenched in their old ways of life. Is that happening today? I believe it is. We see people saved. Genuinely saved, genuinely converted. Their lives are changed. There's folks here tonight that are like that. Year ago, you weren't in church, but now you are saved, baptized, growing. But then there's others that we're going to see, maybe even make a profession or truly are saved. But listen tonight, they're still deeply entrenched in their old religion, and it's hard to get out of it. Or they're deeply entrenched in their old lifestyle, and it's hard to get out of it. But what was true back then is true today, the mighty power of God. And God doesn't give up on them. I pray God helps us to see some individuals who are, who are making wrong decisions with their life and, and even homosexual in their orientation. Listen, they were not born that way. God does not make people that way if he's going to judge them. And listen, God saved them out of that lifestyle. Why would he call someone to be born in that lifestyle if he's trying to save them out of it? Did that make sense? 
But God loves people who are given, have given themselves over to that lifestyle for whatever reason. God loves that individual. He loves them. He loves them as a person and individual, but he loves them way too much to leave them that way and wants to save them out of that lifestyle and put them on the right road in life. But listen, many of them are going to be deeply, deeply entrenched in that and they're going to need a church family to come alongside of them to, and to point out what is wrong, but to love them to cry. To love them to Christ. Hey, listen, church, I believe as we go forward, we're going to see more and more of this as we go door to door and person to person. And as you do work in in high schools and in junior highs, and as many of you have access to college age young people, listen, there's a trend that is taking place that is bringing many into it. And it's not right and it's not of God, but God still loves them. And the gospel can still save them. And God can do a mighty work in their lives. But many of them are going to be deeply, deeply, Deeply entrenched, what are we to do? Just keep preaching the word of God and loving them to Christ. People are going to be entrenched in alcohol. People are going to be entrenched, deeply entrenched in drugs, prescription, as well as illicit drugs. People are going to be entrenched in, in, in their religious beliefs and coming out of Catholicism and, and all the guilt and all the things that's associated with it and coming out of being a Jehovah's Witness or coming out of Islam or coming out of whatever other world religion that's out there. Hey, and they're going to be deeply entrenched in that. And there's only one power, one source that can make a real change. And that's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. And that's why even though some may get into church for a wrong reason, we can't allow that to stop us like a Simon. Because for every Simon, there's some, there's some Phillips and there's a bunch of other people who have been saved and converted and brought along. And they just kept going. Since 1998, I believe God has brought some Phillips this way and their wives to be or with them. I believe God has brought some Phillips this way. Not that this is Jerusalem in in any way. Everybody understand what I'm saying? But what they have come here and they've seen they want to take somewhere else. Not because it's this church, but because it's this word. And it's the gospel ministry. And they'll take that as a Philip and they'll reach people that are Samaritans. You with me here tonight? And they'll see people saved. David Hetzer is seeing folks saved out in San Marcos, California, and, and others down in, in Texas and, and over in Germany and other places around the world tonight. Hey, listen, folks are being saved. Thank God for that. There's many Phillips who have come through the ministry here. Now they're out sharing the gospel somewhere. And along the way, we've had a few Simons. We've had a few individuals maybe who were looking at the ministry for the wrong reason. They wanted to come and they wanted to get rich. <laughs> They usually figure out that it's not about that. Or they came and they wanted the recognition. They wanted to build a big church. They wanted to have a big name. And it might be disappointing. Some that come here even for Bible college that don't work out right. That'll happen in the process. What are we to do? Say, see, 
These Bible college students, they don't make it. They don't do well. Well, there's some Simons from time to time. But the Phillips way more out, out, out way and outnumber. So what do we do? We just keep going. On the ride back to Oklahoma City, I rode by a man that uh, was involved with big old, big old tires. And maybe you know them, maybe you don't. And in any case, back home, that's a big name. And uh, I said, you know what, what took place here in Oklahoma City? He said, you know, we had some individuals that just weren't doing right and, and uh, really made a bad name and had to just move out of the city, and now we're in the surrounding areas. And he said, I've just come in from a big convention, and there's probably about 700 to 800 dele- individuals there, representatives or whatever they'd call them, franchise owners. We come there to get instruction. We come there to get inspiration. And just to move on. You know what I admired about that? They don't allow one or two situations to say, you know, this is not worth it. Forget it. Let's do something else. But there are those one and two situations. But what they determined to do was simply this. Let's get together and rejoice about what has taken place in our corporation. And let's do it better and let's inspire and let's instruct and let's take it to a whole nother level. If they're doing that for something that is temporal, how much more should we be interested in the spread of the gospel? And sure, there'll be some Simon-type situations that don't work the way we'd want them to, but let's not allow that to overtake this where we have opportunity to watch the gospel go to a whole nother level. So what can you do? Take the good news to someone, many someones, and share it with them and just keep going with the gospel. People will be saved. Will there be some who maybe make a false profession or maybe are saved and then get out of God's will? There will be. There will be. But as a church, we just keep moving ahead. Let's stand together tonight. As the church shared the gospel, people were saved. As the church shared the gospel, they encountered people who were deeply entrenched in an old way of life. And as they did both of these things, they continued sharing the gospel. Dear God, I come to you and I pray that you'd help us, dear Lord, to love people. Help us, dear God, to love one another right here in this church, to care for one another. Dear God, to be broken over lost people. Lord, to pray for them, to try to witness to them, to follow up on them in in an aggressive way. Please, God, help us to work in the ministry of the gospel. God, there will be times of great joy and there will be times of great disappointment. But through it all, you're still God and your word is still right. Please help us tonight with that. Maybe someone here discouraged in their efforts to share the gospel. Would you just encourage them to keep going? There'll be some who will not hear or listen, but there are others who are eager to. I pray that you'd help them to be good soul winners. Help us, dear God, to do just that. Thank you for allowing the gospel to come to us, dear God. I pray you'd help us to get it to others. In Jesus' name, amen.